You're listening to the Direction for Life podcast. We pray this episode blesses you. We'd love to connect with you. Visit us at rdci.info or on Facebook at Right Direction Church International. Also, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the RDCI. We hope you enjoy this broadcast. What are we, what, how, how are we meeting each other's needs? I heard something recently, you know, and it made so, made so much sense. When people say, I'm not happy in my marriage, this is the interpretation. I have needs that are not being met. When anyone says, I'm unhappy in my marriage, that means there are needs that are not being met. So somebody needs to have a discussion, well, what needs are not being met that I need to meet for you? Or how can we better meet each other's needs? Because that's all happiness is. Happiness is relative. Right? Some some people like chocolate cake. Some people like vanilla cake. Some people people pig feet make them happy. And me, uh, filet mignon make me happy. It's all relative. So you need to find out how you meet each other's needs to add to each other's happiness. A godly spouse brings comfort in your life. Everybody say comfort. Comfort means it makes things comfortable. Is your life more, a spouse should make your life more comfortable. Genesis 24, 67. Now, Isaac didn't choose his wife, by the way. Abraham sends his servant, uh, Eliezer, to go find him a wife. And he prays, God, lead me to the right woman for my master's son. And he brings back Rebekah. And Genesis 24, 67 says, and Isaac brought back, brought Rebecca into his mother Sarah's tent and she became his wife. Here's what I want you to see. He loved her deeply and she was a special comfort to him after the death of his mother. She was, she was of comfort. In, in, a, in, a, in a spousal relationship, you also bring comfort to each other, not stress to each other. Y'all quiet up in this church up in here. I'm, I'm going to pray for all the couples when I'm done. Bless the Lord. She brought him comfort. A godly spouse can pray for you and pray with you. Now, if you really understood that, you would never want to be yoked up with an unbeliever. Be, un, be not unequally yoked with, a, with unbeliever. Be not unequally yoked. With unbelievers. Why? Because you can, if you don't believe what I believe, you ain't gonna pray what I pray. And you're not gonna pray how I pray. Genesis 25, 21, I've pointed this out to men in the past. A lot of us, we're very familiar with women praying, praying women. But look at Genesis 25:21. It says, Isaac, when when Rebecca could not have children said, Isaac pleaded with the Lord, on New Living Translation, he pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. And the Lord answered who? Isaac's prayer. And Rebecca became pregnant with twins because the man prayed. Come on, we need some men who can hook a Messiah. We need some men who can get a prayer through. We need some men who call on the name of the Lord. We need some men who get up in the middle of the night. We need some men who intercede on behalf of your wives and your children and your sons and your daughters and your parents. We need men to intercede. God didn't open up her womb because she prayed. He opened up her womb because he prayed. So a godly spouse brings more. Everybody say more. 
brings more, more into your life. So let me, let's talk a little bit more about this good help. Several things I want to point out. Good help gives you, number one, a great inheritance. Everybody say greater inheritance. <laughs> so the Bible tells us in Romans 8, 16 and 17, um, it says we're the children of God, and because we're children of God, and we're not all children of God because we're born as humans. We're children of God because as many as believed upon him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. So we're all, we're all children of God in a creative sense. We're not all children of God in a spiritual family sense until you get saved. You're with me here. So he's talking about to save children of God. Beloved, we are the, be a, we are the children of God, verse 17. And if we're children, then we're heirs. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. I want you to catch that. Every believer who received Jesus is an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. That means when God raised Jesus up, he raised me up. That means when God made Jesus rich, he made me rich. That, when, that means when God gave Jesus power, he gave us a power. That means when Jesus was raised up to sit in heavenly places, I've been raised up with him to sit in heavenly places. Somebody say, I'm a joint heir with Christ. Now, we all have that right individually. As individuals, we are heirs of God, okay? As individuals. Um, Charles, uh, Harry, and what's the other one? William. William. They, they are heirs, okay? Um, they, they, they have expression that Harry wrote about in his book called The Heir and the Spare. The heir is the main one who's going to ascend to the throne. The spare is something happens to that one. Okay, but they are heirs to the Windsor dynasty. They are heirs, okay? And, and so about each of us individually are heirs of God. But now watch this. It's very important if you want to go to another level, you marry another heir. Y'all didn't catch that. If you want to go to another level and walk in the fullness of your inheritance, you need to marry another heir. Not somebody who's just going to be taken from you, but somebody bringing something to this table. And right now, I ain't talking about financially. <laughs> Can you pray with a brother? Can you encourage a sister? Can you uphold me when I'm too weak to uphold myself? Can you pick me up when I can't pick up myself? And I know you fall in love, and I know people are fine, and I know they look good, and I know your hormones get to going, but y'all, you got to think. I'm, I'm, on a, I'm on a mission to get y'all to think. I'm seeing too many jacked up marriages. You need to think. You got to think long, you got to think wide. You got to think long, you got to think wide. Long means down the road. Wide means what else is this going to affect? You got to think long and think wide. Come on, say, Lord, help me to think long and think wide. So we're all heirs of God, but now look at 1 Peter 3 and 7. Sitting down like husbands, he's talking to believers, dwell with them, your wives, according to knowledge, and give honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Okay? Doesn't mean weaker, weaker, uh, 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 it doesn't mean that you're weaker mentally and all that, but just biologically, okay, uh, your, your, your bodies are weaker, but not only that, it means you're more fragile like a treasure. He said, give honor to the weaker vessel as, here we go, being heirs together. That's what I want you to see. You're already an heir. Are y'all with me here? When you got saved, you became an heir of God. When you marry another heir, 
Now y'all ass together. Y'all are catching this here. That's why you got to be careful who you marry. Because you ought to be adding something to this inheritance. Not taking something away. So now it says, now, now when two believers get married, we're already heirs. Now we're heirs together of the grace of life. So your prayers aren't, aren't hindered. Then we ought to be able to accomplish more together, produce more together, dominate more together than we ever could alone when you marry the right one and you got good help. So secondly, you have greater reward. Everybody say greater rewards. Greater reward means that you have greater accomplishments. Every Christian couple should be a power couple. I said every Christian couple should be a power couple. I got power, you got power. We like power rangers. We get more power together. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 4 9 says what? Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Okay? Uh, the New Living Translation, that verse says two are better off than one. If you marry the right one, two are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Husbands, wives, don't compete in your own house. Don't compete. Don't try to compete with degrees. Don't try to compete with how much money you're making. Just bring it all together. You should not be in a competition in your own house. You're trying to prove that you are as smart as your wife or got more than your wife or, or in a wife with the husband. You should not be, this is not a competition. This is, is, this is supposed to be an enhancement. Two better than one, they have a good reward. They're better off than one. Now, there was a study published by Brookings. It was done by Reeves and Krauss in 2017. Okay, no plagiarism here. I'm giving credit. And they found that married couples, y'all, have even higher incomes than shacking couples. Some of y'all say it's the same thing. And we just, no, 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 okay. This is, this, this is not a biblical study. It's not a Christian study. It's an economic study. Found that married couples have even higher income than shacking cohabiting couples. Because one advantage of marriage is that two in incomes can be pooled. Yet, cohabiting couples have less income to pool. The earning gap between fathers is different in different family types stands out particularly strong. While married fathers earn an average of 55,000 a year, men living with the mother of their child even, or children earn just 29,000 a year. In fact, married fathers earn more on their own than the average cohabitating couple with a joint biological child earns between both parents. Well, why is that? Why is that? Remember, one script we looked at, the Bible said marriage is honorable. Did he not? And so I want you to catch this. There is an inherent blessing in marriage that you don't get from shacking. Y'all mad at me. Don't, just don't walk out right now. I won't know it's you. There's an inherent blessing that comes with being married that you don't get by shacking. Some of y'all trying to be super spiritual. We ain't going to do nothing. We, we, we just going to sit here and we just going to lay here and spoon. Y'all know what I say about spooning? You keep spooning, somebody going to want a fork. I said F-O-R-K. Oh, 
all this spooning. Somebody gonna want a fork. There's a blessing on marriage that's non-cohabitating. There's a blessing on marriage that's not on shacking. The Bible said God bless them. And what does the blessing do? Come on, y'all, are y'all with me here today? What does the blessing do? We know what the blessing does based upon Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and addeth no sorrow with it. Put that scripture, Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing of the Lord, it makes rich. It enriches your life. And he adds no sorrow with it. So there's a blessing that comes on a man and a woman together when they are in God-ordained matrimony. Genesis 1, 27 and 28, it said God created male and female and God blessed them. And the God bless who? God bless them. God bless who? God bless them. So there's a blessing that comes on them that just don't come on him. There's a blessing that comes on them that just don't come on her. God bless them. And he said to them, be fruitful. He said to them, multiply. He said to them, replenish the earth. He said to them, subdue the earth. He said to them, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moved on the earth. So there's a blessing that God has ordained when two God-fearing people come together as heirs of God that now we have a greater inheritance than we would individually. So the devil knows that too. So he tries to cause all kinds of drama, cause people not operating wisdom, cause you to fall out over dumb stuff. You know, the, the longer you've been married and we see younger people and the stuff that they be separating over, be like, like please. Y'all ain't even been through nothing. Just keep on, my, my uncle Bishop Bailey says, keep on living. Keep on living. You know, uh, I, I, I just, I'm tired of this drawers being left on the side. I'm just, I just can't take this draw. You're going to be glad you got a man that got some drawers. I'm sorry, underwear. Some of the stuff you're complaining about and fussing about, you're going to have to learn to forbear. One of the th things that Christians do is forbear. You know what that word bear? I, we don't like that word. Forbearance means put up with. I know y'all love me, but y'all put up with me saying draws in church. I just wish he wouldn't say that. He just doesn't go through me. It would be better if he says underwear, but you forbear me. Forbear means when things don't go along to your preference. And so you need to know what are things that are preferences and what are things that are convictions. First of all, if, you, if you're with some, you should not have married somebody who's doing anything that goes against your convictions. Everything else is preference. Are y'all listening to me? So y'all, so the devil causes all kinds of division strife and divorce cuts off and short circuits the blessing. Let's talk about it in a moment. Which is why just about everyone who gets divorced ends up talking about recovering from a divorce. Am I right? Am I right about it? I'm sorry, y'all. That just came out. 
<laughs> when, when people get divorced, they talk about recovering because we got to regroup. We got to reassemble. We got to refocus. Divorce cuts off and short circuits the blessing. Malachi 2, 14 through 16. I know y'all don't hear this in the, in the scriptures. I mean, in church, but I got to show you what the word says. Malachi 2, 14 through 16. And let me say this here. This is not to condemn anybody who's divorced. Okay, make him feel bad. This is just for me to help the rest of y'all. Let's, let's stay together. Come on, help me. Loving you, weather, weather. Come on. That's the goal. So it's not, it's not trying to make anybody feel bad. Okay? Malachi 2 14 through 16, New King James says, yet, yet you say, for what reason? Why did God put you together? He says, he says God, I got some issues with you. Well, what's the problem, Lord? He said, I've been a witness between you and the wife of your youth. This is what I meant to say last week. So people, are, people automatically justify divorce because they say we, we were young when we got married. How many hear that? I can't tell you how many times I sat down with somebody getting married the second or third time and I asked them about the first marriage. They always say we were young. And I want to say, and we were young too. Okay? So if you're too young to get married, don't get married. So listen, listen to that, first of all. Okay? But just because you're young, it doesn't mean your marriage can't work. You might need more help. He said, because the Lord's been witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously. Now he's talking about divorce. And he's putting it on the man because in the scripture, a woman couldn't get divorced. It was on the man. But now, women just walking away. I mean, literally come home saying, you know what? I won't do this no more. No, I'm not saying that being funny. That's what's going on now. I've seen it happen too many times. No, not necessarily drama. Not falling out, not a fight. Ain't nobody beating or cheating. I got that mocking Tuesday. If you ain't beating or cheating, we can make it work. Nobody beating or cheating. Just somebody come up, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. Know why? Because you're looking at Instagram. And look like all your single friends are having, it, having fun over in DR while they're getting their Brazilian butt lift. And you look at you, you're comparing your life to somebody that you don't know the details of. You don't know the intricacies of. And so he said, you dealt treacherously. He said, yet, God said, now, I know you're divorced. He said, but she's your companion. She's the wife of your covenant. You made a covenant. You made a vow before God, before these witnesses, before the man or woman of God. We all heard you. And you, you shouldn't just be walking away because you don't feel the same way you felt when you said it. That's why I told you, I, I let folk give these sentiments. Y'all can, can give your sentiments, but we're going to have some vows up in this piece. Sentiments, you know, ever since I saw you, the sun just rests on your eyes and it beams through your heart. And from the day that we saw each other, I knew that our hearts would be mended together. And I can't sleep at night without dreaming about you. That's wonderful. For better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, when you don't feel that no way, way no more, and when it looks like the sun ain't shining. He says, she's wife of your covenant. And why do you make you one? Have the remnant spirit. He said, why one? 
and, and this is a whole other message I can't get to today. He said, because I want godly offspring. I want you to raise up children together, ideally in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. I want you all to produce something together that you both are inputting into, that you're both imparting to. I want you to create something that you could not create apart. I want godly offspring. He says, so take heed to your spirit. He said, I know you're mad. Get yourself together. I know you're disappointed. Get yourself together. I know you're aggravated. Get yourself together. I know you're hurt right now. Get yourself together. Take heed to your spirit. Let none of you deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. Verse 16, for the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. He does not say he hates divorced people. He says, I hate the byproducts of divorce. I hate what divorce does to families. Are y'all with me here? He says, I hate divorced people. I hate the outcome, the casualties of divorce. For it covers one's garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit. He says, he says it again. He says, I know you're mad. Take heed to your spirit. Get yourself together and let none of you that you deal not treacherously with the wife of your youth. So again, so divorce, after divorce, people talk about recovering from, from divorce. So I say, y'all, live on one income and live better with two. I don't care if it's 75, 25, that equal 100. If it's 125, that's 125. I'm giving to buy, probably in day now, I'm giving clothes on another investment property. I have several investment properties. My wife is on all investment properties. My wife is on, all, is on my home. My wife don't pay a mortgage. She don't pay one mortgage. We qualify together. You didn't catch that. We qualify together. I pay, but, she, but I qualify for more with what she brings to the table. Two are better than one. Are y'all with me here? So live off one, live better with two. Produce by yourself, single people, but produce more with the spouse. Fourth thing you have is greater dominion. Everybody say greater dominion. Greater dominion. So God says, be fruitful, be multiply, have dominion. So you can dominate by yourself, but you gain more dominion with, your, with, a, with a godly spouse. Genesis 1.26, let them have dominion. Let who have dominion? Let them have dominion. But as I get ready to close this, I want you to say, there's a process to dominion. Say that with me. Say there's a process to dominion. So you don't, you don't start off dominating. Someone doesn't win one race and you say, you know, they're dominating. A boxer doesn't have one match that he wins and they say, you know, he's dominating in boxing. Are y'all with me here? Dominating comes through a series of events. Dominating comes through a series of wins. And sometimes there's wins and losses and wins and losses and losses, 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 and a win. And losses, 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 and a win. And you don't call that person dominating. But when they keep going and they win and they win and they win over and over and over, you say now they're dominating. Are y'all with me? When we think about people who dominate, we think of people, people like, I'm, I'm a tennis fan. I've gone all around the world to watch tennis, okay? Uh, we think of Serena Williams. Now, see, Serena Williams dominated. When, when I used to go to the, to the New York, uh, to the U.S. Open in New York, I deliberately would try to get tickets to the 
to the quarterfinals, to the semifinals, and I don't think I've ever been to a final. That, that, that was a whole nother deal. And usually on Sundays anyway, okay? But, but I, would, I would go because I knew Serena going to be there because she dominates. You don't start off dominating. You start, you dominate out over time. The Bible said, let them have dominion. You got to hang in there if you're going to dominate in your marriage. You have to hang in there if you're going to dominate in your family. Dominion don't start at one time. It, dominion goes through a series of events. There's a process to, to dominion. In Genesis 27 and 40, you know, we read about, remember Jacob and Esau. So Jacob steals his brother's birthright, okay? He, his, his brother's blessing. Steals his brother's blessing. And by, 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 by perpetrating fraud and, and making his father think it's him, and his father speaks the blessing over Esau, uh, over Jacob that was supposed to go to Esau, the older one. And then, then he runs away, and Esau comes and says, don't you have another blessing for me? He said, I don't have any more blessing to give you. But then he says this to him. He said, yeah, he's he going to rule over you, but this is so important. Genesis 27, 40, he said, but by thy sword thou shalt live. And you're going to serve your brother temporarily, and it shall come to pass. Everybody say it's going to come to pass. It shall come to pass that thou shall have the dominion. Marriage, listen, some of you, you're going through in your marriage right now, but I'm prophesying over you. If you hang in there, you're going to have the dominion. I'm, I know your children are taking you through right now, but I'm telling you, if you stay in there and keep praying for them and keep laying your hands on them and keep bringing them to church and keep, keep teaching the word of God, you shall have dominion. It shall come to pass when thou shalt have dominion that you're going to break his yoke from off thy neck. Come on, it's Black History Month here. When, when we look over black history and we look at all the black people, African Americans who have dominated, they didn't start off dominating. There was a yoke on our neck. Come on, we were, we were the last hired and the first fired and, and, and we had to start at the back and we couldn't come into the room but somebody kept on going. Somebody kept on going and said I shall have the dominion and, and I, can't get, I can't afford to just get caught up in anger and hate. I got to keep on working. I got to keep on pushing. I got to keep educating myself. I got to keep applying myself. I shall have the dominion. And I'm prophesying over you. God wants you and your family to have dominion. But you're going to have to fight to have dominion. You're going to have to declare to have dominion. You have to push through to have dominion. Somebody shout, I will have dominion. He said, eventually you shall have the dominion and you're going to break that yoke from off your neck. Break that yoke of poverty off your family. Break that yoke of dysfunction off of your marriage. But you don't have to fight. You, you have to fight to have dominion. You have to endure to have dominion. And you got to kill something to have dominion. Final thing, greater wealth. Everybody say greater wealth. You have greater wealth through godly families. Esau 33 and 9, after he got to dominion, his brothers running from him, it was about 15 years later, and they said, man, we were over there, crossed the, crossed the way, and your brother's coming. And Jacob said, oh my goodness, he gonna kill me. He said the last thing he do, he gonna kill me. And he finally, and J J after 15 years, Jacob and Esau come back together, and, Joseph, and Jacob was trying to appease him. He, he sent all the kids he didn't want, and sent, sent them up front. He sent the wives he didn't really want. He sent them up front, okay? And he said, you can have all that. Trying to appease him. And Esau said, Genesis 33 and 9. He said, you can have that. I have enough, my brother. 
Somebody say, somebody say I have enough, my brother. <laughs> I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. I'm no longer competing against you. I have enough. I'm no longer jealous of you. I have enough. I don't compare myself to you. I have enough. The white man ain't keeping me down. I have enough. Come on. The prejudice can't hold me back. I have enough. Are y'all listening to me? Wealth is gained and maintained, as I close this, is gained and maintained through intact families. In other words, the longer families stay together and works together and grows together, the more dominion you should have. Psalms 112, 1 through 3, he says, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. His descendants are going to be mighty on the earth. The generation upright will be blessed. Psalms 112 and 3 says, Wealth and riches will be in his house. Future tense. It may not start there. Uh, I'm, come on, say this. Say, Wealth and riches will be in my house and in my family because we're going to dominate together. Wealth and riches will be in his house and righteous doors forever. Somebody say, we're working on something. I'm, I'm, I know you're going through and the devil trying to cause all division and strife in your family, but you got to recognize we're working on something. Glory to God. My wife and I, we, we've been through some rough times and, 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 hard, and hard times, but we always had enough sense to know we're working on something. We're working on something. We know that there's something that God wants us to produce together that the devil will succeed in destroying if he breaks us up. Devil, you are a liar. We're working on something. In the U.S. and in most industrialized countries, y'all, wealth begins and increases with home ownership. And unfortunately, black Americans have the lowest rate of home ownership in the United States. And despite the efforts of this uh, most recent administration, white Americans enjoy the highest ownership rate of 74%. Asians, 59%. Indians and, and natives, uh, uh, they, they come in number three at 55%. And yet Hispanics and black Americans have the lowest rates of 48 and 44%. And according to the National Association of Realtors, in, 20, in, 19, in 2020, 79% of homeowners were married. 20, in 2022, they reported 60% of the recent home buyers are married. Wealth increases through marriage. And I want everybody connected to me to believe God to own a home. Come on, all the renters say, I will own, I will own. Come on, say, I will own. Everybody paying, paying a mortgage, say, I will own outright. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 8 and 12, God says, you're going to build beautiful houses and you're going to dwell in them. God intended you all for wealth to be perpetuated through your families. And so Abraham, the Bible says in Genesis 25, 5, it says, he gave all he had to Isaac. He left him something. Versus he gave gifts to the rest of his sons. In Genesis 26, 18, Isaac dug again the wells that his father dug. He didn't have to start from scratch. His father had already dug some wells for him. Proverbs 19 and 14, it tells us that fathers can give their sons inheritance of houses and wealth. Proverbs 13, 22, a good man does what? Leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Final scripture, 2 Corinthians 12, 14. I want you to think about this, parents. That This is bigger than you. When you're going through stuff in your marriage, when the devil's attacking your family, understand this is bigger than you. I mentioned, I mentioned, I don't know if y'all caught this. I heard about their couples who even if they're getting divorced, 
They're coming up with strategies now to try to not disrupt the children's lives as much. So they're going through a divorce, but they're deciding they still stay in the same house. The children stay in the house, and the parents go in and out. They can't make it, but we're not going to disrupt. Now, that we know that ain't the best. I was listening to an interview yesterday with Jada Pickett on NPR. <laughs> and, 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 and she said that, she, and so the person asked her, oh, well, you and Will together? She said, we're together in a way that works for us. You know, a situationship. Sometimes you got to think beyond you for your children's children. 2 Corinthians 12 and 14, the latter part says, watch this, children ought not lay up for the parents, but parents lay up for the children. It's God's desire for you to lay up something for your children. Leave something for your children. Stay connected with us in person or online. Stream our services live on YouTube or RightDirection.info on Sundays at 9 a.m. and on Wednesdays at 12 noon and 7 p.m. On Fridays, join Dr. Marsha Bailey for Manifest at 12 noon online only. If you're in the local area, join us in Columbia, South Carolina at 1705 Shivers Road. If you're in the Florence or Orangeburg area, join us for services there. For campus service times and locations, visit rightdirection.info.